admire your courage, Miss... Uh... Trench. Sylvia Trench. I admire your luck, Mr... Bond. James Bond. Bonjour, Monsieur Bond. Where's 007? I think he's attempting re-entry, sir. My God, what's Bond doing? Keeping the British hand up, sir. Well, tell him to pull out. Immediately. Can I do something for you, Mr. Bond? A martini, shaken, not stirred. Hang on, James. The thought had occurred to me. Looking for shells? No, I'm just looking. You have a nasty habit of surviving. What they say about the fittest. Do you lose as gracefully as you win? I wouldn't know. I've never lost. No more foreplay. Welcome to a new episode of Bond Backwards. My name is Anders Holmes, and I am joined by uh, 00 <laughs> Agent, or Agent X, as he's known as, in the secret of the espionage. What are you talking about? I, I, I don't know. I was trying to give you... I was trying to jazz you up a little bit. By calling me 00? I called you Agent... Come over there and kick your ass. Agent X. <laughs> Agent X. Um, hello. It's Adam. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. In case anyone who, didn't know. Who else would it possibly be? <laughs> yeah. How you been? Fine. I have been fine. Um, it, it is It is what it is. It is 2021 still. Uh, it still feels like 2020. Uh, and um, <laughs> it, was, it was cold and now it is less cold. So that's something. Yeah. Um, Snows have melted. You don't Not get here, haven't. So yeah, we are going to. We're we're in the last four episodes of Bond backwards. It's uh, I can't believe how quickly it's gone. Yeah, it's gone pretty quickly, and um, we still haven't watched No Time to Die, even though we started doing this like what last year, last year, last. Was it spring? Or it, was, it, when, no, it was no. It was it was January 2020 when we when we did the Spectre episode. We've been doing this for more than a year, and we still <laughs> haven't seen No Time to Die. I think they're going to release that movie by the time like Daniel Craig's like 70 or something, given the way the world is at the moment. Yeah, and that's the same joke that everyone's making on Twitter. I wasn't making a joke about it. I was just making it like an observation. Daniel Craig's a young man. Um, yeah, he's, um, true. Yeah. He's at his prime. Uh, he also <laughs> lives near one of our friends in New York, but that's a different matter. Um, oh, yeah. Yes, anyway, and he's married to Rachel Weisz. I know. I mean, what a couple. What, a, what, a, what an absolutely perfect cinema power couple that is. Yeah. Um, that's like, um, uh, what's her name and... What's his name? Vincent Cassell and Monica Bellucci. Oh, they split up. They did? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah, they were a power couple for a bit, and then they uh, divorced. That's like the best-looking, like, 
European continental sophisticated like art house power couple you could possibly imagine I ah that's 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 really upset me actually I'm sorry to hear that um but speaking of European um hipster casting (laughs) segue um, (laughs) we're talking about Thunderbolt and there's a lot of uh, Euro trash always runs while others walk There's a lot of your trash in the cast. While other men just talk. You see, he looks at the world and wants it all. You are actually quite good. So he strikes like thunderball. You didn't do the high note, thank God. Otherwise, I would have ended this call. Um, if I did that, my microphone would have exploded. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that was that was intense. Um, it's later yeah. where you are, isn't it? Yeah, it's like just gone ten oh nine. How much have you had to drink? Like, okay, you don't have to say uh, <laughs> <laughs> enough enough to do Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. Tom, Tom Jones. Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> enough to do Tom Jones. Unbidden. Uh, Speaking of the theme, we haven't crossed off the, the 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 subject. We haven't dealt with the subject rather of Bond themes that weren't Bond that didn't become Bond themes, really. And yeah. this is perhaps the greatest example because you've got Johnny Cash's Thunderball, um, which doesn't really sound like a Bond theme. It sounds like it's no. a it's a it's a it sounds like a theme song for like a western TV show. A TV show. western. A TV western, like like. The three, well, he did. Johnny, he did like do the Johnny Yuma. Well, thing. that he did do that. Yeah, Johnny Yuma. But yeah, it, it absolutely oh, does. Oh Wayne. Okay, oh, stop. You can't just sing. Johnny Andy, Yuma. Stop. stop singing. You cannot Johnny sing Yuma. through the heart. <laughs> I don't have anything in Baja. <laughs> this is already off the rails. Um, <laughs> Listen, drink I think some Dougie is probably left by now. <laughs> Dougie's Dougie unsubscribed months ago. Uh, the, the, listen, um, get a grip on yourself. Um, I I think that is a very very fun Johnny Cash song, and I think people should check it out because I don't think a lot of people know it exists. And I just love the image of Johnny Cash's Bond theme actually being chosen, and then them realizing that they have to make the whole film fit the theme. And yeah, then they so they have to like film it in sort of you know instead of the Bahamas they film it in like New Mexico, um and um breaking and, bond, yeah, um bond meridian, um yeah, no country for old bond. That's <laughs> so stupid. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, look, um. <laughs> just had a vision of Tommy Lee Jones as M. Oh no! <laughs> oh, we can come to that in the casting section. Uh, so Thunderbolt. Um, it yeah. is. It is the fourth film in the Bond franchise. It is yeah. the fourth Connery movie. It comes out in 1965. It is. Um, it's it is also of- where they play around with a lot of money because when I yeah. was watching the movie, I realized that the aspect ratio changed mm-hmm. from the previous three films like then the you know the sets got bigger they were filming on locations like primarily the movie takes place in the bahamas so they were really bahamas. like bahamas so they were really <laughs> playing around with a lot of stuff and it was it i have to say thunderbolt is one of my favorite bond movies if not 
in my it's in my top three for for sure and i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not i'm not ashamed to say that it's in my top three i really 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 like this film it's one of the bond films i could watch on repeat and never get bored okay well let's examine that Uh, i think so so as you say the first thing you notice is that they've got more money and you see that in the budget they blow more shit up they go to more places um a lot of underwater shots yes we'll come to that um but what i just want to sort of touch on briefly is just how confident this film feels it is so um aware of what is happening in in and around the james bond franchise people are into bond they're into the world that bond is depicting the glamorous world of like beaches and ski slopes and travel and sex and violence and casinos and all this other stuff they're also clued into this newly confident britishness that's going to culminate in some ways a year later when england win the world cup but you know which is but which i think largely is the the result of the beatles and the stones and the who and 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 the pop explosion um that they bring with them in um in the u.s so i think there's just a lot of and and you know and the fashion and all the other stuff that's coming out of london's west end so there's just a lot going on um that's going to make a film like this just it's it's really in the zeitgeist um you know even though we've talked before about how bond is not cool in that sense it, it is tapping into something that a certain segment of the population are already responding to hmm yeah, I agree with that. I think they've really sort of, I think after uh, Goldfinger and From Us Where Love, they really got into a good rhythm with these films. And even, I've, you know, it feels like if if like John Connery felt a bit more comfortable in the role, they could have, you know, he could have done more films. I don't know. I, I think there's always a shelf life on any Bond actor, but like the, um, you know, the, the, the point is that this this sequence from Dr. No to, to um you only live twice is is absolutely consistent i mean it just you know obviously dr no they're trying to get some things right from russell with love is, is its own thing but you know there is a very consistent through line and um you know they feel just like in this film they just know exactly what they're doing they know exactly how they want to do it um i love the way the music works in this um you know we've already dealt with the tom jones um but um but the um you know the way it, the way that the Barry scores the underwater stuff. Um, I also really like a lot of the cinematography in this. I know that that's not something we often talk about in the Bond franchise, but there's some good, like there's some good looking cinematography in this movie. There is some good looking stuff, and it's obviously there's some it, Ken Adams involved. So the production design is is great, but yeah, no, it, it looks great, and it I mean it, it very much um, makes you want to go on your on yeah. your holidays. So, so, so the underwater. Should we talk about the underwater stuff? Yeah, the underwater stuff. Uh, just to point out, uh, the cinematographer is is Ted Moore, no relation to Roger Moore. He was a South African British cinematographer. He he won a uh, best Academy Award for a uh, best sorry uh, Academy Award for best cinematography on A Man for All Seasons. You know who has a great film with a uh, you know Grant plays in that film as Henry VIII. Yep, and a young John Hurt as well. Is John Hurt in that movie? He is. Oh. And he also was the cinematographer on any he, he like the last Bond movie he did was The Man with the Golden Gun. Oh well, I mean that is, if and in fairness, that's uh, if if that was my last Bond film, I would be pretty you know I wouldn't want to yeah. work on another one. I mean yeah. it's it's a shame he didn't stick around for The Spy Who Loved Me, but um, yeah, I I think it's it's really I think in a way of like 
putting all the scenes underwater and like this visual storytelling. I think it's really, it's really interesting. And I think with the music and it really fits the tone of what's happening, like, especially in the underwater scene when they're hiding the plane with the camouflage and it has that, that and all that stuff. I think it really fits really well. And it just adds a, just a good atmosphere to it. And it really kind of, ex, you know, you can kind of see like, you know, filmmaking tools, the technology is kind of growing and they're really playing around with stuff. And, you know, this is just before like Jaws and stuff, you know, and sharks appear in this movie and it's amazing. You know, it's great. The shark stuff is, is this is one of the first great shark movies, let's be honest. Um, yeah. And um, and that should not be underestimated. This film um and I think the underwater shots that go on in this film are, you know, they're not the first. Uh, we've seen underwater shots before, Creature from the Black Lagoon and stuff like that. <laughs> but this is new in terms of how much we're seeing and how much, and also the color and the way they yeah. make everything look with the coral reefs and the and the the harpoon guns and all this and all this jazz. And you know, it is um, it is a lot of time to spend underwater, but you don't feel like it's been done been overdone and um as you say they actually make it coherent which is not often the case in in underwater stuff um i yeah. will also I, I think there's a this film has a sort of spiritual uh successor in um the film the deep um oh the uh nick nolte robert shaw movie yes which i mean i think the deep was very much trying to cash in on um uh on the success of jaws two years before isn't that a peter benchley novel it is. Peter Yates directed the film. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, but it has a lot of, um, you know, there's this. It's set in the in the in the Caribbean. It has, you know, uh, hidden things underwater. It has harpoon guns and it has a moray eel. Uh, so you know, there's some there's some uh, similarities. Um, but yes. um, you know, again, that thing of people will sit there and patiently watch uh, scuba divers. Um, and um but in the in they they actually cheat in the deep and they have the scuba things where you can actually talk a little bit so i think yeah, that in this one I, I think in this one it kind of it feels more authentic and then you know it's all silent and it's music and you hear all like sound effects and things like that yeah and a great and and, and they actually staged the final like battle underwater which is tr terrific it's still <laughs> a pretty like the cinematography and the sort of staging in how they shoot all that is pretty well done i think that's pretty fantastic mm -hmm. and i really like all that stuff and it's just really exhilarating to watch and like you know it's stakes are quite high because like the specter have all the you know cool stuff and the british army kind of you know get taken down i think that, i think they're supposed to be americans actually i think they're supposed oh, to be americans oh, i always thought they were, yeah. for some reason i thought they were british sorry no no um yeah i think because they're, they're supposed to they're going to blow up miami which in fairness you kind of wish they succeeded but um <laughs> the, i um, you know, the, the, I, I, you're right to point out that scene where the bomber crashes for the first time because that's really the first time you see the underwater stuff. You're aware from the credits that there's going to be something watery happening. Yeah. You don't realize the full extent, and they spend a lot of time like hiding the plane. There's the shark that comes out, and you're like, wow, under okay, so this is, we've just expanded what Bond films are able to do. They're able to take us under the water and show us some sharks. And of course, they yes. do that again with Spy You Love Me and For Your Eyes Only, and you know. Uh, live, live and let die briefly but that's at the end yeah and that's in a that's in a tank i mean i'm talking yeah, about true. the sea um and so yeah so i think that's um that's all to the good and um 
and yeah and so and and you get this you get a sort of single use location but they also get some bonus ones in there's some good paris stuff in this i think yeah. what do you think about the pre the pre credit the pre-credit sequence what do you think about that um it's fun i don't know how i mean watching it again re- like last year and fairly recently it does kind of relate to the sort of overarching story from all the f- previous three films and Spectre and stuff like that. Right, so there right. is like a sense of continuity between all of the five films. Well, except then, for Goldfinger, because Goldfinger is nothing to except do. For, with. Except for Goldfinger, but then like... Except if it was now, Christoph Holtz would be like, do you remember Goldfinger? He was also <laughs> one of my people. It's like, shut up. Yeah, that would suck if they reveal that kind of thing, yeah. They think there are people who claim that Goldfinger is a Spectre agent, but he is. Take it from me. Um, and uh, and I'm not prepared to argue about that. Yeah. Um, no, but the, pre- the pre-credit sequence is pretty good. I like his little jetpack thing um, and his like, little water gun on the Aston Martin, whatever It's good that to is. see the Aston. It's good to yeah. see it doing some different stuff, yeah. Yeah, they, um, kind of, they kind of add more stuff to it. I do like his scuba diving machine thing that makes them like go fast and it fires like harpoons and things like that oh well, yeah well, we haven't got there yet because we got to, we got to talk about those gadgets but yeah um what i think is all to say is the creep the creep the pre-credit sequence it sounds like you're saying cretans yeah no cre- i couldn't <laughs> or the cretans <laughs> um that sequence just for me it still doesn't it doesn't set up the film with the same success that the goldfinger one does or the um uh russia with love one does well the from russia with love one is also a bit crap actually i'm trying to think of another good connery one and maybe there isn't maybe the, and this is pretty good i mean it is pretty good I think what's it, the pre-credit sequence in you only live twice it's um the space hijack right space hijacking and then he fakes his death in hong kong right well that's pretty good actually yeah. so so but you know like i i don't know so so that so that leaves you thinking like okay we don't know but i i love from the very beginning of the movie after the credits when you get Largo and uh, you know, Largo. Adolfo Celli who just looks like he was born to play like mafia dons um, he's is, my favourite villain I think he's pretty he's pretty badass in my opinion yes and and he has some great help um, but I love that scene in, where he goes into the Paris uh, Spectre headquarters and you have yeah. uh, number one behind the like little Venetian blind thing yeah. um, number one played by Joseph Wiseman, Doctor No. Doctor No, yes, yeah. and and but not voiced by Doctor by Joseph Wiseman. Uh, I think it is voiced by Joseph Wiseman, or it's voiced by because the guy who plays who's the actor that gets shot in Doctor No you, that was a Smith and Wesson. You've had your six. What was the act? Because he actually played the body of Blofeld in some of the movies. Yes, his. I think, I think that might be him. So Joseph Wiseman. So he does plays. That. He plays the doctor. I'm sorry. I'm looking this up. He plays the other doctor. There's a lot of doctors in Doctor No. Um, he. Uh, hang on a minute. He's also uh, actually in uh, Dial M for Murder. Um, That's true. He's the guy who tries to kill Grace Kelly. His name is Anthony Dawson. He is Anthony Professor Dawson. Dent. Yes, yes. That's He's true. Professor Dent. So not Doctor Dent. Uh, Professor Dent in. Uh, Doctor No, mm-hmm. and he is Blofeld in From Russia with Love, but Blofeld in this movie is Doctor No from Doctor No. Clear? Right. Yes, that, uh, that, that makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> we figured it out. So anyway, I love that thing. I love the fact that they tie in the Great Train Robbery, which had happened 
uh, I think the year before or that year, you know, and they were like, it was Spectre. Um, and then uh, and then he fries a guy in his seat, which is great. Um, but I like the fact that he fries the guy sitting next to him, that you think it's going to be that guy because he's sweating and stuff. And then he ends up frying the guy who's like, <laughs> and then, then he dies. Yes. Um, so that's, I think, um, I think that's pretty, I think that's pretty well done. Um, what do you think about the the clinic stuff? Just out of curiosity, like with well, James Bond in the clinic, because I feel like that kind of, I mean, apart from me liking the, liking the movie a lot, I do feel like that part really drags the film, the, the beginning of the film out a little bit. It's a long, the Thunderball feels long and it is long. Um, it's just over know, two it, hours, 130 minutes. Yeah, so I mean that's not too long, I guess, but it's still it has uh, it has moments where it slows down a bit. No, I mean it's fun. Molly Peters is is lovely, and and um, he does get a bit bit. I don't know, the, yeah, yeah, it's, it's definitely problematic. Like it's yeah, definitely it like the whole like behave yourself, Mister Bond. I think that bit's that's a bit hashtag me too a little bit. Well, it's just it's just horrible and creepy. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that the, bit doesn't quite hold up. <laughs> Well, and where he like threatens to sort of have her job imperiled unless she like shags him in the steam bath. I don't, um, I don't think this is uh, the politics of that particularly good. But there is, and, and I think the whole thing with the tit for tat exercise machine um, death stuff, like where he needs like pulled to pieces by the rack and then he tries to steam the the other guy. But I think it, what does work is the cool creepiness around the bandaged. Um, uh, guy and that whole sequence in the hotel next to the clinic and that's when we get to meet uh i think one of the characters who really makes this uh film come together and that's uh luciana peluzzi as fiona volpe i just she's she's, she's so great great she's in great. this and she's like that first real like truly evil bond lady bond femme fatale kind of thing and yeah and it's like you don't see her you don't see this character really again in full force until uh, Zenia on the top in 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 Goldfinger. Like yeah, that's of... true. I think they tried to do the same thing again in You Only Live Twice, but not with the same results. Well, no, not at all. I mean, she's Helga or whatever her name is. She's crap. Yeah, she's useless. You, you tried to feed Luciana Pelluti to the piranhas, and she'll make those piranhas into fucking sushi or something. You know, she's not yeah, gonna. No. You know, She'd no find one... her way out of the pool. <laughs> Yeah, she's no, she's no, uh, she's no sucker. I mean, and it's only, um, yeah. and it's actually, frankly, thanks to other people's incompetence that she dies because she gets shot by her own bloke. And um, that's true. Know, yeah. So, so she's, I, I love her. I love everything she does, and in, in this movie, um, I love how she's set up. It's good actually to see Bond have a woman stand up to him, who's kind of his match and i think there's an interesting reference that she makes where she's like oh and i'm supposed to have sex with you and then i'm supposed to hear like heavenly choirs and go to the side of righteousness which i think is a reference to how easily bond overpowers um mm -hmm. uh pussy pushy galore uh so i i think that's that's a really nice little um nod to the fact that nah, uh -uh, it ain't gonna happen this time this lady yeah, exactly coming to get you she's gonna uh She's going to give him a really uh, hard time, and it's and actually it's kind of a shame when she uh, disappears from the film because she's such an active threat. But as you say, then you've got number two, number two, Emilio Lago with his. Who does number two work for? <laughs> <laughs> That's a great. You know that turd who's boss. <laughs> what did you eat? <laughs> um... Oh, help me! I'm in a. I'm. I'm. I'm horribly burnt. 
Okay, we can't just quote Austin Powers. Well, that is relevant because that's also a reference from this film. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I um, so so uh, Claudine Auger as well. Uh, the late Claudine Auger is domination. Yeah. She's great, and I think she also has a certain strength uh, in her, and um, and brings again this sort of continental Mediterranean feel. Even though the film is set in the Americas, you've got you know basically all the main characters outside of bond are played by um you know these kind of european uh film stars and um uh and i think that um i think that claudia Noja does a great job and i love the fact that she ends up killing number two yeah i like the fact that she you know i think it's like a nice little moment of where she kind of takes back some sort of the control that he had over her and stuff. I think that felt more satisfying her killing him than Bond killing, killing, you know, Largo. Yeah. I mean, I will say in um, it, I, I think Adolfo Celli deserves a, a, a real pat on the back because those wetsuits are not flattering on him. And he wears them for a lot of the film. <laughs> he does, but I think he is quite, <laughs> there's like a bit of a pasta belly going on. <laughs> true but i mean I, I mean he's a great villain because he's not like sending other people to do his dirty work he you know he gets down and deep in the water with the guys and he does quite a lot of stuff with a knife he and from the everything. front yeah exactly and, yeah, and he's got he's got great i mean he's got a great supporting cast of, of you know those guys like vargas is, is uh is a great character and um and he's got a pool full of sharks so that actually and that brings us to the gadget the fucking little pen thing that he uses to breathe for four minutes now and then <laughs> is like one of the most annoyingly convenient gadgets in the whole Bond franchise. It's like, oh shit, they've closed the roof, but luckily I have a small amount of air. <laughs> I can make my way out so, of here. Have you any idea? Like, how much air could possibly be stored in that thing? It's like this big. <laughs> yeah, but how also much? thinking about how much air is actually in oxygen tanks like in scuba diving tanks you'd have the- to compress it to an impossible and if you breathe on that it'd be like about that you know i mean how and so if you do, if he just doesn't make any sense i hate that gadget i really every time i see it and he looks like an ass when he's putting it in his mouth that reminds me of the thing of the the breathe the mouth breathers that they have in uh the phantom menace when they go down to the gungans yeah yeah fuck that <laughs> It's like uh, little, like little, whatever the fuck it's called. Yeah, it's yeah. it's proper, like it's proper George Lucas level shit. I mean, um, and the the sequence in the shark pool is great. Although there is this moment where there is actually a moment in the movie. I actually remembered reading this on the trivia page. He actually because they the mo- there's a moment in the tunnel where they open up the thing to let the sharks through so that they eat them in the in, in the other pool, which is like the non shark eating pool. pool. The, yeah, so they there's a moment where the shark pops in, and you kind of see Sean Connery do like this wide eyed thing, and that was a real reaction from Sean Connery because he didn't expect that. Don't worry, Sean, we won't use real sharks. Because he didn't expect the shark to come through and there's like a big plate of glass protecting him between the sharks and stuff. So he was like, oh shit, like that. He just wasn't expecting the sharks to come that quick. Yeah, there is a scene where you can see the the glass plate pretty clearly because like an idiot, whoever's doing, I think it is Connery or his double has got his hand like on the glass. I think it it is Sean, I think it's Connery that does a lot of that stuff. But yeah, I love that bit where he's just in the tunnel and the shark sort of goes past him and they're like, all right, 
Um, sorry, sorry, mate. Better luck next time. Yeah. Um, yeah, that sequence is fun. The shootout's fun. Um, everything at Largo's headquarters is fun. Everything on Largo's boat is fun. This film is fun. I do wish there was like a scene where like Blofeld was talking with Largo about like the situation of what was going on with the operation and then finding out that Bond was at the house and he didn't kill him. <laughs> right, or, or the fact that like he, he knows, he, he wears his spectre. I get, okay, you're a spectre, you're part of a secret organization, but I've never seen these rings before in any other film. And he's like, I, where I come from. And he's like, yeah, okay, you've just revealed that you work for spectre. Yeah, exactly. And it's just like, blood but therefore like... <laughs> you've just revealed that you are here with the bomb. My other problem is where they're flying around looking for where the plane could be. Yeah. So the plot, everyone, is that they've stolen atomic bombs and they're going to blah, 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 blah. And they've, and they've hidden know, the plane yeah. and stuff. Hidden yeah. the plane, there, 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 watch the film. And so they're going to look for the plane. They're flying over and Bond is like, what's down there? And Felix, played by the brilliantly named Rick Van Nutter, uh, is, is like, oh, there's nothing down there. It's just a bunch of sharks and stuff. And we haven't looked there. And it's like... Well, of course the fucking plane. Is <laughs> yeah, but he there. says like he says like golden grotto sharks, and he remembers Largo saying, "Oh, golden grotto sharks," and then he was like, oh, "Puts two and two together." And I don't even think it's to do with the sharks. Also, there's no such thing as a golden grotto shark. He just says it's the golden grotto, and there's and we haven't looked there. And it's like, well, let's fucking well, look. Let's go down there. It was like, why are we going down there? That the plane is down there. Just take us down. Yeah. Also, the massive <laughs> plane shaped to thing. Distract the other. <laughs> the massive plane shaped thing that you can see from the sky. It's probably that. Um, yeah. So that's kind of stupid, but it is a good sequence. It's quite suspenseful mm. and um, and a little bit like, yeah, because he discovers the body and stuff. Um, it's a bit like uh, in Four Your Eyes Only and also in Tomorrow Never Dies where they find the bodies in the... Yeah, it's almost like the Bond film kind of does things over and over again. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> Bond films. Um, but um, so I think we've I think we've kind of covered the film and I think it, yeah. it, it is an enormous amount of fun, but... Um, there but we were have... some problems that were happening off camera. I wanted to ask you about this because I haven't actually read up on this, and um, yes. but this is where this is where a lot of issues so, yeah, take off. Yeah. Because and actually, we haven't even mentioned the other elephant in the room, which is never say never again. So let's talk about the the, the dreaded Kevin McClory. So Kevin McClory was someone I was not aware of until watching the documentary Everything or Nothing, and so Ian Fleming had met Kevin McClory through mutual friends, and they began working on ideas that would turn into James Bond. And they actually developed the ideas and treatments with another writer called Jack Whittingham. And so Ian Fleming published, you know, in 19, you know, in, in 1961, he published an idea that he had worked on and that became the ninth James Bond novel, Thunderball. Problem was, um, Jack Whittingham and Kevin McClory both felt like it was their idea and they weren't credited and they took Ian Fleming to court and sued him. And after nine days, Ian Fleming had to pay 35,000 pounds and future versions of the novel were credited as based on a screen treatment by Kevin McClory, Jack Whittingham and Ian Fleming in that order. And that really broke in many ways Ian Fleming and he did pass away quite, you know, around this sort of time. And, mm. you know, they really wanted, you know, Cubby Broccoli and, Zaltzman, they really wanted to make Thunderball the, the next Bond movie. And they, you know, they went to him and they made a deal with him where he, where Kevin McClory was the sole producer and they would take executive producer roles. 
And this went on for like 50 years. Like Kevin McClory kept on kind of coming back because he really wanted to hold on to these Spectre ideas and make movies. And one of those movies that ended up, you know, that ended up being Never Say Never Again. You know, when Octopussy went into production, he went into production with the competitive film Never Say Never Again with, with Sean Connery. So Never Say Never Again is essentially a Thunderbolt remake. And this went on for like that 50 years. Yeah, and it went on for like 50 years. And like also back- Connery was a cunt for doing it, frankly. Yeah, and he he was pretty bitter against Broccoli anyway, which was quite bad on his part. And, you know, this went on for like an, up until 2006 when Kevin McClory died. This was a few days after Casino Royale and then all the rights and everything like that. And that's, you know, that's probably, you know, it's like there were there were a lot of legal battles and rights issues that clouded, you know, a lot of films. And, you know, it didn't, you know, they, they couldn't use the Spectre and Ernst uh, Stavro Blofeld character for a really long time due to, you know, Kev McClory kind of having control over it and stuff. Although they did make four films after this that have, or three films after this that have a, a connection to... Yeah, they did. But I think like, after that, when they get into the Roger Moore era, then they had to like swim I guess that, around. Yeah, they that had to swim been. around it's it really, It's really, I mean, it's just, it's sad because it's so stupid and avoidable and it's all to do with these egos yeah. and people trying to make a bunch of money off and it's like you know how how good an original can any idea related to james bond be you know when but it doesn't also, i mean it's, it's silly of fleming to have gotten into bed with these fuckers anyway but like it was it was like you know it it is it, it shows just how mean-spirited people can be around these kind of very successful um yeah i think in a lot of ways kevin McClory could have been less bitter about it he could just been like okay fine then moved on instead of holding on to that grudge for like 50 years basically right and i think that you know like in anything it's not no one no one has the sole idea for it because obviously the whole franchise stems from the mind of Fleming. And so any idea that you have is really an idea based on that. So you say, at what point does your intellectual property really just come from someone else's? And so it's it's just really hard to argue that you have some kind of exclusive right to at least, I mean, especially to the whole idea of Spectre, which is already, a you know, the films have already established them as a thing as early as Dr. No. I mean, and they are an invention of the movies. Yeah, Um, exactly. I think, yeah. I think think he... Novels. Yeah, I think he sort of stepped into it when he saw how much money these movies were making. It kind right, of well, that's, that's what I'm saying. I, I think it's I think it's yeah. so cynical, and I think it's, um, you know, there's I don't know what the other side of the story would be. Probably Broccoli and Zaltzman didn't cover themselves in glory, and you know, there's a lot of it's it's amazing to me that so much bitterness comes out of these first movies that Connery ends up hating Broccoli and betraying him and starring and never say never again and McClory and the Broccoli and Zaltzman are at each other's throats and it's like wow you know you've just made five really good spy movies back to back and now everyone hates each other it's like wow fucking hell you know victims of your own and it, and it seems like they had like a really strong family unit like they like holiday together and you know Michael Caine was like on holiday with them and stuff like that it's like it's like they had a really you need someone else to step into the role <laughs> I'm your guy. <laughs> yeah. Um, my name. Okay. No. Uh, is I would. Yeah. So that's all the stuff. But anyway. So um, let's do the fun bits. Yes. Uh, what's your favorite bit in the movie? My favorite bit in this film. It has to be between Connery in the pool with the sharks, which is pretty fun. 
yeah. but it has the mouth breather in it. So I'm a little bit less fond of that than, mm. um, than I ought to be. I really... I really don't know off the top of my head. I have to think about it. So I'm trying to play the film through in my in my mind here. It could very easily be um, that whole sequence with um, with Fiona Volpe and chasing him through the like from the bit where she picks him up. I know that's like a lot of bits, but like, I just love her. But I, I, as a as a favorite bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think I could pick out two probably. One is um, it's just that the bad guys discussing eliminating Bond next to the pool filled with sharks as they shoot shotguns uh, at you know as they as they do uh, clay pigeon shooting. That's pretty great. Whenever I think about Thunderball, one bit pops into my mind, and that is the guy getting the spear gun in his eye. Oh yeah, that's true. In in the underwater sequence, yeah, yeah, that's true. And, and and also the bit where all the animals come out. Was like, and all the animals are like, "What the fuck's going yeah. on?" <laughs> yeah. So I just, I, I so yeah. So I know I, I picked a lot. I'm gonna go with, I, I, I am gonna go with the harpoon and eye guy because I think that's just too good. Yeah. I'm my favorite bit is is another harpoon related moment, and that's the bit where Vargas gets killed, and he has that great line where he says, oh, "I think, I think, he, I think he got the point." <laughs> I just love that um, bit. Yes. Also, it's like a really kind of good scene as well where you start to really question what Bond really feels about with Domino. Does he actually really care about her or he's trying to seduce her to try and get her to help him, you know, prevent explosions from happening around the world and stuff. Makes you think a little bit, I don't know. Right. I mean, I think that's a very good bit because he sort of, yeah, he has exploited her massively by seducing her. And then he tells her about her dead brother. Yeah. They have um, sex. And then he yeah. reveals the fact that, you know, your brother is dead in Largo. Underwater sex. Yeah, um, they actually did delete a scene where, like, underwear would float up. <laughs> they thought that was a bit risque. It's also just daft. <laughs> I, oh, God, there's some of the, I mean, that would have happened. If this was a Roger Moore movie, it would have been, um, it, yeah, definitely would have done that. So it would have had, like, a double-take turtle. Like, hmm? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. A double-take turtle. That is exactly what would have happened. Um what so location Stupid, stupidest bit what's the stupidest oh the bit? stupidest bit stupidest bit stupidest bit um the guy getting his harpoon in the eye no i think it's nearly the jetpack uh-huh but i think it is the i think it is the bit in the um in the clinic where he finds the guy who just tried to kill him and instead of like interrogating him he puts a broom through the handle of his steam machine and turns up the knob and like cooks the guy for a little bit yeah that's a bit stupid. I think that's I think that's really fucking stupid and um and it doesn't achieve anything and it's not particularly clever or it's just it's just really dumb that's true what about um, you um I'm just trying to think of a stupid bit uh rocket launcher from bike what's wrong bit, with that it's a bit silly I don't know that whole bit of it looks great she blows up a car with a motorbike with a rocket launcher on it you love his see you love his big fucking um rucksack with the propeller on it see I think that's really stupid you like you it, he looks like an you know you know when you you had those you see these people with the giant backpacks well like the little, backpackers not backpackers but like school children or or, or just like the, you know those that particular I've got my laptop in my backpack because I'm I want to look after my back instead of having a shoulder bag <laughs> like a normal person and it's like it's not what it looks like it's just it's just a nerdy student it's like and sort of goes through 
I don't know. I think that's pretty stupid, but you seem to like it. And the rocket launchers on the bike are cool. I just think that whole bit is a bit, I don't know. It's just, it's so quick and I don't know. It just, it feels a bit I will like... say, I will say, you are gearing up for an Aston Martin car chase at that point. And he's even got his little gadget yeah, thing. Yeah, he's got the like, gadgets oh, already out and goes. then she shows up. And then it's a bit like, oh, it's just, it's over and done with. Actually, I think if because you picked two, I mean, you picked two moments earlier. I think my other stupid moment is when they leave the poor physicist to drown in the water because he says, I can't swim when they jump off the boat and they basically just leave him in the water. That's right. He's never seen again. He's never seen again. It's like they get picked up by a plane and he's like, Help, help. <laughs> just surrounded by sharks. Well, it's like, it's like I can't swim. <laughs> Well, if you're going to wear for Spectre, you know, you got to take the consequences. Exactly. Okay, so, yeah. Fine. So locations. There are uh, three. There are three. <laughs> I'm going to say the Bahamas. I like I like it when Bond goes tropical. You are such a, like, Margaritaville, like, <laughs> Florida dude, aren't you? You're just, are you going to retire and move to Florida? I think you are. Um, Ooh, I'm not going to move to Florida. I'm not going to move to God's waiting room. I'm not going to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll, I'll I'll say Paris then because you know uh, we like Paris and um... how many Bond films have been set in Paris? Thunderball, View to a Kill, any other ones? Is oh, that it? Uh, I think it might be. You Wait, is there a Pierce Brosnan one that takes place a bit in? That's Berlin. Tomorrow Never Dies. Is it Berlin or is it Hamburg? Hamburg. Sorry, it's Hamburg, not Berlin. I think it's just. I think it's just those two films. Just, is that it? Is that the only? One? I think it's those two films. Isn't Roger Moore in Paris at some point? Oh view no, to, View to yeah, a Kill. View, view to a Kill. But then, apart from Thunderball and View to a Kill, there's no other films that are set in Paris. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyway, I'm, I'm definitely. I'm definitely going for Paris then. Okay. Um, Who would you recast? I think um, this. So, so my project is I would turn this film into. Western and I recast. Yeah, I'm just gonna go with it. Tommy Lee Jones is M. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> name Thunderball. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Just like I'm putting out an APB search every hen house outhouse. You know, uh, I would, um, I would love to see that. I would love to see an American analog of Bond where M is played by Tommy Lee Jones and Bond is played by like, I don't know. Yeah. Alan Ladd. <laughs> if you were casting an American actor from the golden age of Hollywood to play Bond, you could do John Garfield, actually. He was pretty good. Um, mm. Anyway, so what about you? Who are you recast? Uh, I think as a joke, I would probably replace Rick Van Nutter with Alan, uh, Alan Arkin. <laughs> or, or, That's pretty or, good. Why do you hit me, asshole? <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> It's full of sharks, you nudnik. It's the Golden Grotto. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. I like. I can actually see that really working. That could work very well because he already, you know, he was in the in-laws that um, uh, the spy film that he did with. I think Peter Falk is the other guy in that. So I think I really like Alan, I really like Alan Arkin. I was about to say Alan Alder. Alan Alder or Alan. You could Arkin. have Alan Alder as James Bond and Alan Arkin as Felix. <laughs> you can have a great time. Yeah, down here with a golden. Oh, that's that's more Walter Brennan. I can't really do. No, I, I think, I think oh, you were close there. You uh, were close to Alan Alder. Yeah, anyway. it, it sounded a bit this like Walter. Not, this Bre is not Brennan. the place to workshop material. Um, I don't know why they never brought back Jack Lord. I know he was busy doing like Hawaii Five-O, but they could have brought him back for like another Bond movie. Yeah, it's not like he was like a 
crazy busy movie star at this point. Uh um, yeah, I five oh starts in sixty eight, is that right? Yes, I I think so. Uh, yeah, yeah, he should have been I, I think Jack Lord is 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 the coolest Felix. Um Yeah. But you know, with his big lady sunglasses. But we'll get to him because we have to talk about Doctor No still. That is true. Um, um so how many martinis are we giving this movie? Uh four? Yeah, I'm gonna give it four. If I was being really generous, I'd give it four and a half. Yeah, I think I'm going to give it a solid four. It's a good solid four. I think it's a pretty, pretty solid Bond movie. Well, you I, say it's in your top three. Yeah, it's in my, it's in my top three. You've yeah. given higher marks to at least three other Bond films. No, I, I think it's it's definitely one of my favorites. This I is think not it, as good as it's not as good as The Spy Who Loved Me by our standards. It's not as good as Skyfall or Casino Royale. No, but it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, but there's also that thing of like, it doesn't matter if it's as good or not. If it's a personal favorite, then as a personal, as a personal favorite, given what the heart wants, Sanders, and your heart wants to see Sean Connery strapped to an underwater propeller. (laughs) I just like all the underwater stuff. I just like all that stuff. I have a. I have a. I like the sea. Right. Anyway. um, So yeah, we got three more to go. I know it's going to suck when we're done. Uh, we Goldfinger, have to think- Goldfinger, I think is going to be an interesting one to talk about. Yes, it is. Yeah, I think Goldfinger has a lot. I, I mean, I, I think there's a lot to say about all these films. Mm. Um, yeah, I think these last three, you know, buckle up, people. There's going to be a lot of material, and I think we're just going to we're going to draw them out because we we don't want to end. But uh, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, we're like Peter Jackson at the end of Return of the King. He just didn't want to say we're we're wrapped. Yeah. And that's that's it. We're done. Um, yeah, we have to finish the fucking Samwise Gamgee subplot. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. Oh well. Anyway. Um, well, that concludes another episode of Bond Backwards. Thank you very much for listening to us uh, ramble on about uh, Thunderball. Do check. I back think they with got us. the point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, nice reference. Got that. Of course you got that. We just talked about it. <laughs> yeah, I know, but it nearly went over my head. I was like, oh yeah, that's a reference. I got it. Yeah, it's cool. Oh my god. <laughs> okay, I'm going to end this episode before I embarrass myself even more. Have a good day, everyone. Goodbye. <laughs>